Thanks for being here today, and uh, thank you for uh, filling up God's house again. We put in more chairs last week. I guess we have to put in, we only have a few more uh, to put in, so try 8 o'clock service. I don't know what to tell you. Um, you know, there's lots of room uh, at other services too, and there, we'll always make room for you here. We'll put you on the sides, we'll, we'll have surround seating, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes, but praise God for traffic jams for Jesus, I mean, out there. I mean, isn't that a great reason to do it? So, welcome everybody, and welcome to those of you who are watching from our campuses all over central Iowa. We're really glad that you're here. Uh, we're in, this midst, in the midst of this series of sermons called, What Are You Wearing?, based on Colossians 3. And it's not that we're a church that spends any time talking about fashion and what people wear, uh, although if you're into that, that's great. Uh, that our focus here is, what are you wearing on the inside? What do you have in you that comes out of you naturally as you follow Jesus Christ? Because that's where Colossians 3 takes us. It talks about putting on a whole wardrobe of Christian attributes. We've looked at these over the last few weeks. A few weeks ago, uh, you heard sermons at whatever campus you're at focusing on the primacy of love. The greatest commandment Jesus gives us as his followers is to love. And here in Colossians 3, that's consistent. Uh, the, the letter that Paul writes to the church in Colossia is, above all else, clothe yourselves with love. Put on love above everything you do. It's an absolute essential to who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Then last week we preached on forgiveness. And this forgiveness is another one of these attributes that Jesus' followers show and, and live out. And we don't do it, as, if you were here last week, you heard this. If you didn't, here's a very, very short review. We don't forgive because we're just such great people, although if you're great enough to do that on your own all the time, even for the unforgivable, that's fantastic. But for those of us who struggle with forgiveness, it comes when we know that we're forgiven. When we're filled up with God's grace. In fact, the word for grace in the Greek of Colossians 3 is nestled right in the middle of the Greek word for forgiveness here in Colossians 3. It, one leads to the other. Because we receive God's love and God's grace, God's love and grace pours out of us. Because we receive God's forgiveness, God's forgiveness overflows out of us. That's the inspiration to do what our human sinful nature may not want to do all the times. And that forgiveness sets us free. And it keeps us from the distraction of bitterness and, and losing our, our, our joy in our lives along the way. Next verse in Colossians 3, verse 15, what our focus will be for the rest of this sermon is to put on peace, to wear the clothes of peace and to wear the clothes of thanksgiving, just in time for Thanksgiving and the holidays, which are right around the corner. Ready or not, here come the holidays. And I know I say this every year for the last few years, there's this big cultural debate, which I really don't understand, where somebody says happy holidays, and then some snooty Christian gets snarky and says, um, it's Merry Christmas, okay? It's not happy holidays, it's Merry Christmas. And I, I get it, we want to keep Christ and Christmas and all that, and I'm for keeping Christ and Christmas, believe me. But you do realize that when somebody says happy holidays to you, literally what they're saying, and the origin of that word is happy holy days. So you could respond back with kindness and love, not snarkiness, that, oh, I'm glad you think they're holy, you know, that God has set them apart for us, that Thanksgiving is holy and that Christmas is holy and that we have these opportunities to celebrate in a Norman Rockwell Thanksgiving sort of way. That's the goal, right? To have this moment on Thursday, that's, or, or the Martha Stewart Thanksgiving, and you can't see it, but here on Martha's list of Thanksgiving essentials, I can't do without 
she's got on here whiteware that shows off every dish. You have to have a certain kind of whiteware or you don't have Thanksgiving. It's essential to Thanksgiving that you have a, so who knew? I'm so glad that I'm able to share this with you that you all go out and get the right kind of whiteware for your Thanksgiving celebration or it won't be a holy day. It won't be Thanksgiving. I think no matter how hard we try to have the perfect holidays, they tend to look more like Charlie Brown's Christmas, don't they? And Thanksgiving, where things just don't work out exactly the way we want them to. My wife and I were at the mall uh, two nights ago, Friday night, for the big Christmas tree lighting and the arrival of Santa at the mall. My wife loves to go to that every year, and I married up, so I go too. And so we're there, and we're hanging out, and it's fun. It's a great community event, and we couldn't walk 10 steps, and people would say, hey, Sally, hey, guy with Sally. And we'd talk, and we'd share, and we kind of walk through. And, you know, I won't tell you which mall, but it's the one with the pond and the sidewalk around it, and it's just down the street from this building here in our West Des Moines campus. But we have, we, we have this, this community event, this tradition every year. And the idea is, and it was very crowded, and, and we're walking around having a great time, uh, but it was foggy on Friday night. Probably a lot of you were there too. I know I saw a lot of you there. Uh, and it was foggy, so the fireworks thing didn't quite, didn't quite work. Fireworks in the fog don't really show up, as it turns out. They, they, they go up, and you kind of have some faint sort of idea that there's something going on in the sky, but you don't really get the full effect. And then to make matters worse, the tradition is Sal, uh, Santa gets this snowball when he shows up and he says something in the microphone, you couldn't understand a word he was saying, and he gets this snowball and then he throws it at the Christmas tree and it turns into this light ball and the light ball runs into the Christmas tree on the other side of the pond, the big giant pine that's there and poof, all the Christmas lights go on. And so Santa took the, the snowball and he threw it at the tree and it starts to light up and it shoots toward the tree and nothing. Not a thing. Now, there's a really good chance that the person who's in charge of that is sitting in this room right now. So let me just say this. Let me just say this. I get it. I feel your pain. We have never had a perfect worship service at Lutheran Church of Hope. We try. We try to get everything right, and we get close sometimes because our production crew is amazing, our, 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 our music teams are amazing, and we, we try our best. We really do, but something always, there's always some little glitch. There's always something that goes wrong. I get it. I understand. And it didn't take away, well, it took away a little, but it didn't take away, <laughs> it took away the superficial things. It didn't take away that there was joy, there was community, there were people hanging out together, there were families, there were friends, there, were, there was life. Nothing can take that away. Nothing can take that away. The event doesn't have to be perfect. The dishes don't have to be a certain shade of white. It doesn't have to be the perfect table. I mean, there's more to life than this. Later on, I got a kick out of the fact that the Christmas tree sort of lit up, but halfway, and then we walked around the block and we ran into Pastor Eric, our Johnston Grimes campus pastor, hi Eric, and his family, and as we were walking around the bend from where we were, we looked at the Christmas tree and it was off again. And then last night we drove by, it's still off. I don't know why, it's just the poor people there. They, we gotta pray for the Christmas tree lights, that somehow they'll come on you know, before Christmas Eve. Our holidays probably won't be perfect. Your holidays probably won't be perfect. 
But turn to the person next to you at whatever campus you're at right now and with sincerity say, it doesn't matter if they're perfect. Let it go. Let's go for something more. Take all the stress that comes with the holiday season and turn it around. Stress spelled backwards is desserts, people. I mean, come on. Let's go for desserts and forget the perfect and let the stress go. Put it in a little snowball and throw it in a tree that's not going to light up. The best part of that is my wife and I had walked around to the other side of the pond and we saw Santa coming. We're like, oh, Santa's coming. That's kind of fun. And he had a security regiment with him and he didn't look happy at all. <laughs> and as he walked by, there was a young mother's like, oh, look, it's Santa. And he's like, oh, Santa. And Santa came by, hey, how you doing, kid? And just kind of walked by. I'm sure Santa's cheered up now and is jolly and happy again, kids. So you should go visit him and all those things. But there's more. There's more here. And we're missing it if we aren't careful. But no matter how bad your holidays are, remember it could be worse. You could be less Nesman. <laughs> half of you are old enough to know what I'm talking about. And the other half are no clue, right? Like, who's Les Nesman? Les Nesman is the uptight, on-the-spot reporter for WKRP Radio in Cincinnati, this old sitcom from a few decades ago. And this scene is considered by TV critics to be one of the top 10 funniest scenes in the history of TV sitcoms. It's from the infamous turkey drop episode. Mr. Carlson, the owner of the station, decided that he needed to get more involved in the everyday administration of the station, and he'd done all these radio promotions in his career, and so he got this idea that they give out free turkeys to everybody at the mall in Cincinnati, at the Springdale Mall. Only the execution of handing out the turkeys didn't quite go according to plan. It could be worse. That's what I wanted you to get from that, among other things. It, it could be worse. I mean, you're not going to drop live turkeys out of a helicopter, hopefully, especially after that. But the stress is there, right? And when I say Thanksgiving, some of you immediately do not have happy thoughts because you think of getting together with family members and the tension that always seems to bubble up when that happens or, or fighting the crowds the day after on Black Friday just so that you can get a TV or something and, and, and traveling over the river and through the woods and through the bigger airports in this country and all the lines and getting through security. And Where's the peace? Where's the peace that we're supposed to be wearing again? This Bible verse says, Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ be in you. The, the Greek word for peace is irene. Here, here it is, and, and it's pronounced irene. It literally means peace, quiet, rest. But it also has this quirky part of its definition that English-speaking people often miss, which is a joining together, a unity, like the body of Christ. That apparently we can't get this peace unless we're joined together with God and with each other. Our whole theme this year is to know and to be known. This is not some sort of program just to try to get people to be friendlier or to, to, to find groups in the church. It's, it's what the Christian life looks like. It's where the peace comes from, from having community, from having people that you get to join with and do life together. 
And having a God that you get to join with and do life together, irene, the Greek word here in Colossians 3.15 is from the same root of the Latin word, lego, like the toy. Lego literally means I gather, think about this with little, little lego pieces. I gather, I choose, and I join them together so that they become something more. More than they are as their individual parts. When those Lego pieces come together, you have a whole superhero scene, or a whole castle, or a whole brick house that you built. We gather, we choose, and we join. And if you want the peace, the Bible says this is the way you get it. You don't get it by yourself. It's not something you can Google on the internet. It's not something that you can download into your heart individually. It's not a private deal. It's about getting your piece connected to the other pieces wisely and faithfully in a way that's peace producing. It's all built in to the definition of this word that's used in Colossians 3.15 that talks about what are we wearing. Well, we're wearing peace, but not a peace that we try to attain once our circumstances get right in this world, but a peace that comes to us because we're joined together to Jesus Christ. Look at the way the verse plays out. It's this phrase that we often miss. It's let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Let's read it together. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. If you have your Bible and you're highlighting and you're marking along or you're taking notes, Write this part down. The peace comes from Christ. The peace comes when our Lego piece of life is joined together to the peace of Jesus Christ, who God sends into this world to join together with us. To be a Christian literally means you belong to Christ. It doesn't say you're a believer. It means you belong to him. You're connected to him. And that's where the peace, which the Bible goes on to say, passes all human understanding. The powerful peace of God. Not a peace that's dependent on how life is going for you this week, but a peace that's deeper. Do you want that peace? Oh, how desperately we need that peace going into this holiday season. Where there are all sorts of stressors just waiting to pounce on us. Just waiting to suck life out of us. This is life giving. The Danes have a word for this that I learned when my wife and I were there just a year or so ago. Uh, speaking at a conference, and that word is huga. huga. It looks like hygi or higgy or something, but it's actually pronounced kuga. Everyone say huga. Huga is becoming quite the popular thing, even in American culture. It's showing up, it's in People magazine this week, and it's, it, it's all over. The, people want this huga. There is no direct, direct translation of the Danish word huga into English. It takes about 74 English words to adequately describe it. It's quiet. It's calm, it's the lights go down, the candles come up. It's together and joined with friends, loved ones. It's moments of reflection, of peace. It's smartphones turned off, not just on vibrate, off. It's life-giving. It's what you were made for. It's what we don't get enough of anymore, which is why our culture has such a desperate lack of peace these days. And we fly off the handle at each other and we get offended so quickly at one another and we point accusing fingers at one another. No surprise, because we aren't gathering and choosing 
and building and connecting and joining the way we were made to. We're a bunch of separate Lego pieces that are strewn out all over the room that have no purpose or meaning. And we try to find it on our own as our own individual little piece. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to spend eight hours today reading about all the different fantasy football things that are going on. I'm going to, I'm going to give my whole life to, to, to making sure that all the details of Thanksgiving are just right. I'm going to scroll through social media over and over and over and over mindlessly and numbing myself until I just don't feel anymore or I get mad, or I get in an argument. We're made for more. No wonder we don't have any peace. The peace that comes from Christ, that can rule in your heart, that's deeper than all those surface things, that gives you a foundation, that gives you a rootedness, so that when the storms hit and the bad weather hits, your tree doesn't tip over, your branches don't break, because you're strong, because you're doing this every day. You're making time for this every day as our friends in Denmark do. National Geographic, I just read this in a recent issue that was, the cover story was about how to find happiness. Do you know that Denmark, year after year after year, statistically according to this massive survey they do all over the world, is the happiest country in the world? They're not the wealthiest, they're not the richest, they don't have the greatest gross domestic product, They they don't have all those things. They don't have the most power, but they're the happiest people on planet Earth because they're proud of insisting on this every day. We will make time for this. We will make time to join, to connect, to be with loved ones, to appreciate it. There's a biblical verse for this famous one, Psalm 46.10, be still. Be still and know that I am God. When's the last time? I'm too busy, I got too much going on, I can't do, no. We need to do this. If you're too busy for this, you're too busy. And it's time to change your schedule. Be still. Gather, choose, and join wisely, faithfully, in a peace-producing way. Turns out peace isn't all that hard to get. It's free. And it's here for you now. Take just two minutes and breathe in this song that was originally written by the Band the fray, but it's sung way better by Matt. Welcome back, Matt. Good to see you. Let this be a be still time for you. You're in the presence of God. Join your peace to His.
Praise God for Matt and for that song. Thanks very much. Thanks, Matt. Be still and know that I am God. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. A peace which passes all human understanding. A peace which is far deeper and far stronger than we often give it credit for. A peace which is powerful and life-changing. But get this part for sure. A peace that is life-giving, that makes you feel alive again. You have opportunities for that today. Some of you are going to sit down with loved ones for lunch or for dinner or for a Thanksgiving meal this week. Do you know how blessed you are? Will you breathe that in? Will you realize what a, what a blessing it is to be connected to family like that, to, uh, to friends, to have people that you can do life with together? Imperfect people just like we are imperfect. But people that we get to be in community with. Do you know what I give to spend just one Thanksgiving meal with my dad? <laughs> I mean, I'd give anything just for one more meal. If you have that this week, please don't miss it. I won't because I'm still surrounded by loved ones. I am so blessed. This is the crazy clan that will be hanging out with my wife and I in Chicago. Sally's side of the family is nuts. I mean, they're just nuts. It's the Schmeisers. It, it, we go over to Herb and Sandy's house. Her, Herb is the sausage king of Chicago. He's got a meat market. And I'm not making this up. He really is. It's what he's known as. Ferris Bueller got it from him. He owns this German little sausage shop, which is now the third generation of Schmeisers. It's just the most, you imagine, can you, the, the food that they put out for Thanksgiving, give me a break. It's just, it's just awesome, but it's not the food. It's these crazy people. It's hanging out with them together. And, and, and gathering and choosing and joining and, and being able to do life together. And here's, if you think that side of the family's crazy, here's mine. <laughs> and then just my mom. And then if you had my brother, my brothers are not invited. They, I mean, that would make it, they, they are, they were, they're just not in that picture. But it, it's a blessing. Jesus sat down for a meal with his disciples the day before he was crucified. And he says, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you. He knew. Over the next 24 hours, he'd be arrested, beaten, mocked, whipped, humiliated, put on trial, accused of crimes he didn't commit, nailed to a cross, executed, crucified, three days later, rise from the dead. Talk about a busy agenda and a lot to do for the Passover holiday season. But he would not be denied this Passover meal with his friends before he went. That should teach us something. That should tell us that in the most important and crucial time of Jesus' life, he paused to break bread with his best friends and to sit down with them and share a meal. I've been very eager to share this Passover, this holy day, this holiday meal with you. Last week I told the story about my grandma householder, and this is my Aunt Carol here next to her, in case she weren't here. She, I'm not going to repeat that story. You can go back and listen to that sermon. But my grandma died when I was in second grade, and I felt a little cheated about that, to be honest. Kind of a raw deal. 
I only have a few memories of her. She lived with my grandpa in Seattle, and at the time, we lived in Idaho, where my dad was a pastor, and so we didn't get to see him all the time. Just a few times, and so I just have a few memories. People would say that my expressions and my personality were just like Grandma Householder. Just like your spitting image, the, your eyes, your face, the way, the, way you, the way you act around people. But the fondest memory I have in my grandma household was Thanksgiving Day in Seattle. We sat down and I, was, I had to be, what, five or six? Because she died when I was seven. She said, uh, she put out the turkey and all the fixings and everything on the table. Uh, and then this is the part I'll never forget. Because I didn't, for some reason, I didn't like turkey at the time. I'm totally over that. I love turkey now. <laughs> I was kind of a finicky eater as a little boy. And, and so I liked ham, which I can't eat anymore. <laughs> and I didn't like turkey, which I love now. But she, she brought everything out, the turkey, and then she says, and I have a surprise for you, Mike. And she walked back in the kitchen, and she brought out a ham, and she put it right in front of my plate. She says, I hear you like ham. I have no idea how that ham tasted. I can't remember that. I just remember how loved I felt. That my grandma would cook a ham just because I'm a finicky eater. Because she loves me. You have a God in heaven who loves you like that. Who provides for you just what you need for the sake of your peace and to fill your heart with thanksgiving to bless you but you could miss it I could miss it we can get so distracted and so busy and so focused on all the non-hugas stuff all the stuff that never allows us to be still in the presence of God take a moment every day and soak up with gratitude the fact that your glass is half full. Oh, I know it's half empty too, or maybe it's 80% empty, but you still got some water. You're breathing, you've got life. You've got an opportunity for community here in this church to know and to be known. You've got family, some of you, and friends and connections. You've, you've got some water in your cup. I was talking to one of our pastors this last week who says, you know the power of having a, uh, having a daily habit of, of gratitude, of making a, a list of counting your blessings, actually has been known now to re rewire, scientifically it's been proven it rewires your brain. It changes the way you think. It gives you this peace that passes all understanding when you thank God, when Thanksgiving is actually Thanksgiving. Instead of all the other stuff that it's become in our culture, when it's actually a time to give God thanks for the blessings that he's poured into us. See, that's the last part of this verse. It's not just have the peace that you get from Christ in you and rule in your heart, but to always be thankful. Thankful for this. Thankful for whatever it is that you've got. The Bible says this. It says, be content with what you have. Instead of complaining about what you don't have, in the kingdom to come, you'll have it all. 
So be thankful now for the glimpses of that kingdom that you have right now. Instead of, oh, we don't have this and we don't have that and if we don't have this, we can't have peace and we can't be happy and there can't be joy. Oh, but there is. Peace is deeper than that. It's stronger than that. It's more powerful than that. Always be thankful. (laughs) Gather together. Choose connect, join. That's where the peace comes from. Comes from belonging and joining to Jesus Christ. From being still in the presence of God. And that's when his light starts to shine for us. Be still, he says, and know that I am God. When that happens, the atmosphere changes. And the spirit of the Lord takes over. And overwhelms us with God's grace. Oh, That word for thanksgiving in Colossians 3.15, our Bible reading for today, take a look at it. It's Eucharistoi. And there it is again. Grace, charis, right in the middle of the word. Thanksgiving comes from grace. Thanksgiving comes from knowing we're blessed, from giving God praise for the breath of life we have today for hearts that beat, for minds that are alert, for the opportunity for community and huga, and joining together as the body of Christ to worship the Lord. Eucharistoi, the Eucharist, the Thanksgiving meal, the bread and the wine that Jesus shared, the Passover meal with his disciples. But it's not our thanksgiving to God apart from God's grace. Charis, grace, is right in the middle of it. It means to be full of grace, Thanksgiving does in the Bible. And thankful for the good blessings that God has given to us. When that happens, the atmosphere changes. And suddenly, this next month is filled with holy days. Take out time every day to be still in the presence of God. Let the atmosphere change. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You don't want your Lego pieces of life just to be spread out and disconnected. Put the pieces together. Be who God has created you to be. Discover the power of God's peace, which leads to a true thanksgiving. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'll turn it over to the campus pastors here in West Des Moines. We're going to sing this powerful song. Let's have a little more hygge time before we go home.